You are listening to the Central City Citizen Podcast, an unofficial The Flash fan podcast. Welcome, Flash fans, to this very first episode of the Central City Citizen Podcast, an unofficial podcast about CW's The Flash. I'm your host, Daniel, and today's episode is a little different from usual because there was no new episode of The Flash this week. So what we're going to do is we're going to go into and do the news as usual, and then I'm going to put a spotlight on things Flash-related that I want to talk about. So first up, here's the news. Covering all the latest news regarding CW's The Flash, this is The Flash Report. This week on The Flash Report, Flash-specific news was a bit short this time, but one big news story related to The Flash broke over the weekend, and The Flash and Grant Gustin gets nominated. Let's start talking about the Saturn Awards. The Flash is nominated for a Saturn Award for Best Superhero Adaptation TV Show, going up against Agent Carter, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Arrow, Constantine, and Gotham. I definitely think The Flash has a chance of winning this. At the very least, it's in the top three of these shows with Agent Carter and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and Arrow just barely not making it. Grant Gustin is also nominated, individually, for a Saturn Award for Best Actor in a Television Series. He's going up against Hugh Dancy, Andrew Lincoln, Tobias Mancias, Mass Mikkelsen, and Noah Weil. To be honest, I don't really watch any of the shows these other guys are on. So I think... I think Grant Gustin has a good chance of winning. Now to the awards that we can actually do something about. The Flash and Grant Gustin are also nominated for Kids' Choice Awards. The Flash for Favorite Family TV Show and Grant Gustin for Favorite TV Actor. The Kids' Choice Award is based on votes, so if you want to see The Flash and Grant walk away with a Kids' Choice Award, go on over to kca.nick.co.uk slash vote. That was kca.nick.co.uk slash vote. Let's help our favorite show and superhero actor gain the recognition they deserve. Next up on the Flash Report, a new Arrow and the Flash spin-off is in the works. Greg Berlanti, Andrew Kreisberg, and Mark Guggenheim, who co-created The Flash and Arrow, will be executive producers with Sarah Slechter from Warner Brothers. The show will be a superhero team-up show with characters from The Flash and Arrow, and some new DC characters sprinkled in there for flavor. I don't know about you guys, but I am excited. Some may say the market is oversaturated on superhero shows, but I can't get enough. So far, Brandon Routh and Katie Lotz will join the show from the Arrow side of things, and Victor Garber and Wentworth Miller are confirmed from The Flash. This means we will definitely see Ray Palmer, aka The Atom, and Leonard Snart, aka Captain Cold, on the new show. Victor Garber being on the show doesn't necessarily mean that we will see Firestorm, as Robbie and Mel would need to sign up for the show too. Victor Garber may play the Harrison Wells, Caitlin Snow kind of role where he 
is back at the headquarters all the time, helping them from afar. Unless, of course, Robbie ML signs up too. Then we'll definitely see Firestorm. And that will be awesome. Katie Laws is a bit more puzzling. She played Sarah Lance on The Arrow and portrayed the Canary. But her character was killed off. So, assuming she's a regular on the show, she may very well take up the role as another heroine. Perhaps Oracle? Or is it flashbacks? Who knows? Furthermore, they announced that at least three DC Comics characters will feature who have never been in a television series before. Off the top of my head, that rules out Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, Oracle, Huntress, and Swamp Thing. I hope all those were DC characters. I believe they were. That doesn't mean that these characters won't show up on the show at some point in the future. I doubt that it'll be in the near future, but at some point they might. Captain Cold being on the show might mean that we'll get to see a Captain Cold and Golden Glider team up go up against maybe Firestorm and the Atom. That would be really cool, I think. We also got to remember that Supergirl and the Teen Titans have their own TV shows being made at the moment. So the likelihood of seeing those characters may increase. So a Supergirl, Starfire and Raven team up would be really cool. And they could do a kind of Harley Quinn, Poison Ivy and Batgirl dynamic. Like the ones that happened in Batman the Animated Series. Those were really fun, light, full of emotion, deviations from the normal darkness of Batman. I would also like to see many other characters. Some of them are Satana, Booster Gold, who we got word might actually appear on The Flash at some point, and Gold Star, which, who is uh, Booster Gold's sister, and Carol Ferris, and of course, one of my all-time favorite superheroes, Green Lantern. I would love to see Green Lantern on this show. Um, more specifically, the Hal Jordan Green Lantern. John Stewart would also be cool, but Hal Jordan just makes more sense with the characters we have already. Like, he could team up with Oliver Queen from Arrow, and he could team up with Barry Allen from The Flash, and it would make so much sense. Like, if you know your comics, you'll know that in the early 70s, a Green Lantern and Green Arrow, now classic comic strip, was made and, and drawn by Neil Adams. In this comic, Oliver Queen and Hal Jordan travel across America and encounter the most pressing social issues of the time. They encounter corruption, political extremists, cults, and of course the most famous of the stories, drug addiction, where Oliver Queen walks in on speedy Red Arrow and sees him abusing heroin. So this show could actually make a nod to that run of Green Lantern and Green Arrow, which would be so cool. It would be great fan service. And who... Who wouldn't love to see a well-executed Green Arrow? If they can do... Or not Green Arrow, Green Lantern, sorry. If they can do what they did with the Flash and Arrow to Green Lantern for TV, I think it would be really great. It would also be really cool to see a nod to the friendship between Hal Jordan and Barry Allen in the comics. Uh, if you want to see an example of this, you can watch Justice League War. They have great many lines together and... The friendship is evident, right? Also in, I believe it's The Flash Rebirth, Hal Jordan tries to put Barry at ease after the events that are unfolding. I'm not going to spoil the comic for you. I think you should read it for yourself. It's a great read. So these two wisecracking, 
fiercely determined superheroes would just be so great to see together. And Grant Gustin really pulls off Barry Allen on The Flash. So if they can find someone who can do Hal Jordan service or justice, I think this could be insanely good. Also, the... Ooh. Here's an idea. They might, um... They might do a Blue Lantern, the Flash team up with some someone on that show. I don't know if you've seen it, but there's if you Google the Flash Blue Lantern, you'll see a picture of the Flash in a blue suit. It looks so awesome, and that's because he got the blue power ring of hope. And that's so great, because that's what the Flash brings to people. He brings hope. I would really love, love it if they did that as an episode or two over on that show. Now, I, I get it. I get it. They can't pull Grant Gustin away from the Flash constantly to have him team up with all the heroes over there. But I really want this. Really want this. Next up on the Central City Citizen podcast, I put the spotlight on how the CW can incorporate one of the rogues from the Flash's rogues gallery onto the show. And then I'll turn my spotlight onto Harrison Wells. And what the hell he's up to. Stay tuned. With my first spotlight turned on, I turn it towards Roscoe Dillon, also known as The Top. Why do I want to talk about him? Because he's one of the only three of the original rogues we haven't heard a casting announcement for yet. The other two being Mirror Master and Abracadabra. In case you aren't familiar with the rogues, I will tell you what they're all about before we dig deeper into Roscoe. The rogues are a ragtag bunch of the Flash's villains, who struggle with taking him down individually but are able to succeed as a team. They have been a staple of the Flash universe as a group since 1962. Members that we have already seen on the show are Captain Cold, Golden Glider, Captain Boomerang, although he was technically on Arrow, Pied Piper, and Heatwave. We will get at least two more rogues in the first season, with Weather Wizard showing up in episode 15 and Trickster in episode 17. With almost all of the rogues already established, I think it is safe to assume that the last three will show up at some point. I've chosen to start with the top as there have been elements in prior episodes that will tie in nicely with him. Let's start off digging into who the top is in the comics. Then we will move on to how to make an on-the-surface stupid concept like Tops completely awesome on TV. Then we will round out with how I think CW will be able to introduce him into the universe. Now, in the comics, Roscoe Dillon turns his childhood obsession with Tops into his criminal persona. He somehow teaches himself to spin around fast enough to deflect bullets, and somehow the speed at which he spins increases his intelligence. The top uses the top-themed gizmos to commit crimes, and Roscoe coached and was the secret lover of Liza Snark, Leonard Snark's sister, also known as Golden Glider, whom we saw a glimpse of at the end of episode 10, when she springs Captain Cold and Heatwave from the transporter en route to Iron Heights. Now, tops don't seem very threatening, but they're the basis of this villain's gadgets. Let me tell you what I would love to see. The rogues are all about petty crime, usually just wanting to become rich or take out the Flash. With this in mind, the top has a great way to stay out of harm's way while achieving this. 
He simply just spins the top into, say, a bank, rigs it so when it reaches a certain velocity, it releases a potent sleeping gas, knocking everybody in the bank out. Or imagine him doing something similar to what General Eiling did in episode 14, but he just releases a top that sends microfragments attracted to kinetic energy out. By the way, I'm sorry, but I, I need to go on a tangent real quick here. Mentioning General Eiling's gizmo from episode 14, it shouldn't have worked. Kinetic energy is energy an object obtains when in motion, and retains that energy while staying at a velocity. That would have been all fine and dandy if General Eiling had used the doodad while Barry was moving, but at the point when he released the microfragments, Eiling was moving more than Barry, which should have then been attracted to his kinetic energy instead. It was one of only two very small nitpicks I had about episode 14, which I thought was a really great episode overall. Oh well, I digress. Back to Roscoe. So how could they introduce the top to the Flash on TV? Well, all the pieces are pretty much in place. I mentioned earlier that Roscoe and Lisa Snart had a love thing in the comics. They could keep with that story and tweak it a little. Maybe he disappears in an accident caused by the particle accelerator and Lisa Snark assumes he's dead. The reason she breaks her brother out of the police transport at the end of episode 10 is to enlist his help in getting revenge on Harrison Wells and Star Labs for the death of her lover. They of course fail because Barry stops them, but Lisa escapes somehow. Episodes later Roscoe will then show up and start wreaking havoc with his newfound intelligence and ability to spin at speeds that allow him to deflect bullets. Lisa, of course, gets news of this and find him and they team up. And this will then ensue in a great fight that really challenges Barry because of these new innovative top gadgets, which will then force Barry to think creatively. If we take the example with the microfragments attracted to kinetic energy, Barry would have to figure out a way to either completely stop the kinetic energy without him stopping moving, or he would have to figure out a way to just lessen it enough so that the kinetic energy from the top spinning would be greater than his kinetic energy, thereby making the microfragments become attracted to the top instead of Barry. Now this is one way they could introduce Roscoe Dillon onto the show. They could also do it in a myriad of other ways. He could show up before Golden Glider and Leonard Snart team up. And Barry could stop him and lock him into the particle accelerator. And somehow Golden Glider finds out that he's held in Star Labs and she'll attack him there. Or maybe he hasn't gone away and they're still together and they're just breaking out her brother. And we'll see them next time. Next time we see Captain Cold, we'll also see Golden Glider and the top. Who knows? Well, anyway, that's the first spotlight done. Now we move on to discuss... Harrison Wells, and why many of you out there are wrong. No, I'm just kidding. I just have some different theories than most people out there. I would like to start off by apologizing. If anything sounds different or off compared to the last segment, I had to record this segment days after that because of some power issues, internet issues, and a surprise visit from my dad. And now I have a couple of pictures on the wall behind me, which will affect acoustics. So things might sound a bit different. I hope that you can cope with it. 
Okay, let's get on with our second spotlight. I thought we would discuss the reverse flash before Harrison Wells reveals himself to, at the very least, Cisco in the next episode, airing on March 17th. Now, I said you were wrong in your theories about Dr. Wells and the reverse flash. Here's the scoop. I am wrong too. If Grant Gustin's comments are to be believed, we will never figure out what the deal is until the show tells us. Grant Gustin told EW sometime back the following. I didn't even remotely see coming what Andrew Kreisberg told me is going to be one of the turning points with that storyline. I've heard so many theories surrounding Reverse Flash that are all interesting. I was like, oh I know what's going on, but literally, no one knows what's going on. Anyone who thinks they know what's going on is wrong. I'm in the inn and I thought I knew, but Andrew told me and I was like, holy crap, end quote. This is so exciting to me as this means that I can read all the comics, I can go into detail with every episode and what we know about the Reverse Flash, and I probably still will be surprised watching this show. That is a treat in and of itself. If any of you watch Game of Thrones, you will know that if you read the books, you have, you have known every major storyline all throughout the show. It seems that this won't be the case in The Flash, and that makes me so excited. But it won't stop me from dicking, trying to find out the who's, what's, and how's of the reverse flash, see? <laughs> so, I will go over what we know from the TV show, I will contrast and compare with the comics, and I will give you guys my theories. Do I need to warn of spoilers? Mm, I guess I do. At some point, I will mention the trailer for the next episode called Out of Time. That may be a concrete spoiler to the show. Other than that, it is potential spoilers and spoilers of old comics. Decide now if you want to listen on. I will leave a little room for you to decide. With the spoiler-sensitive crowd now gone, let's get to it. What do we know about Reverse Flash from the comics? As I see it, we have three Reverse Flashes that are worth mentioning. The rival, Eobard Thorne, that last name should be familiar to you, and Hondo Solomon. Let's start with the first reverse flash, The Rival. The Rival, also known as Dr. Edward Claris, sought to replicate the formula that gave the first speedster, Jay Garrick, his speed. He succeeds and becomes a criminal, wearing a darker version of Jay Garrick's suit. The formula, called Velocity 9, turns out to be temporary, and when the effects wear off, he is captured. The second reverse flash, although the first one to actually be called the reverse flash, is Eobard Thorne. He was introduced in the Flash number 139 in September 1963. Eobard Thorne is originally from the 25th century and he was originally a very huge Barry Allen fan as the Flash. He recreated the accident that gave Barry his powers and underwent surgery to look like Barry. He then attempted to travel back in time to meet his hero. Eobard, however, misjudged his destination and ended up coming back years after Barry was dead and Wally West was at that time the Flash. After a visit to the Flash Museum, he discovers that he's, he's destined to become the Flash's greatest villain. This causes him to lose his marbles and he tries to convince Wally that he's Barry returned from the dead. Wally, of course, sees through this after a while and takes him back to the 25th century where the journey causes Eobard to lose his speed powers. But that is not all for our friend Eobard. Now hating Barry Allen, he tries to tap into the speed force again through many different means. He once found a capsule containing a suit used by Barry. 
He dies at the reverse color of the Flash's costume and uses technology to amplify the speed force left in the suit, so when he wears it, he gains super speed. He also once wore a pendant with a mysterious element in it that gave him super speed when worn. And lastly, he used radiation to gain permanent super speed. In his hate for Barry and under his nickname as Professor Zoom, he tries to first kill Barry, but realizes that if Barry dies and doesn't become the Flash, he himself will never become Professor Zoom. So he embraces his mission to become the greatest Flash villain of all time. He attempts to become this by killing Barry's mother, attempting to kill Iris, and generally pushing the Flash to become better through hardship. Remind you of anyone? No? Well, it reminds me very much of everything we have seen from Dr. Wells and the man in the yellow suit so far. The last reverse flash we will discuss this episode is Hunter Solomon. His story isn't nearly as long as Airbots, so don't worry. Hunter Solomon was the profiler at the Central City Police Department, working with Wally West. Hunter is injured and paralyzed when Gorilla Grodd attacked Central City. He asks his friend, Wally West, who he knows is the Flash, to go back in time and prevent the injury. Angered when Wally declines to alter the time stream, he decides to break into the Flash Museum and attempts to use the cosmic threat mill, which then explodes, destroying the museum and the last fragments of Hunter's sanity. As a result of the explosion, Hunter's connection to time is shifted, allowing him to alter his own personal timeline, giving the illusion of super speed. Angry at Wally West and believing that he refused to help because he, unlike Barry Allen, hadn't encountered hardships, he attempts to kill Wally's wife, Linda Park. Yes, I threw in that last thing only because of Linda Park, who you might remember Barry's currently boinking on the show. So now we have a foundation for comics reverse flashes. Now what do we know about the TV shows Dr. Wells and Reverse Flash? Okay, so we know Dr. Wells has a connection to the future. We know Dr. Wells is a reverse flash. We know the particle accelerator was supposed to give Barry his powers as evidenced by the camera feed from Barry's lab right before the accident that Wells is looking at. As he says, see you soon, Barry. Dr. Wells has a costume ring with the lightning reversed on it. For those of you not in the know, the costume ring is a spring-loaded ring where Barry Allen keeps his costume. He can press on the side of it to spring out his costume and change into the Flash. We know that Dr. Wells can make after images of himself, portray himself in multiple spots at once. First thing we learn about the reverse Flash is that he killed Barry's mother, just like Erebar Thorn in the comics. We know Wells doesn't have a permanent super speed and seems to need the tachyon particles in order to gain it. Something hints at him having had permanent powers at some point though. In one episode he says something to... The effect of my powers comes and goes while he's talking to Gideon. We also know that anyone who discovers the Flash's identity and is a threat to Barry meet their untimely demise at the hands of Dr. Wells. So what is my theory? My theory is that Dr. Wells has a combination of all the reverse Flashes and that the show will mix up who is who because they can and it leaves everybody guessing. I believe Eddie Thorne will take up a Hunter Solomon role later on the show. We have the pieces for that becoming a reality. He and Barry are friendly, although competing for Iris. We have Gorilla Grodd, who could attack the city, paralyzing Eddie. And in time, he may learn that Barry is the Flash and ask him to change the timeline. And then when Barry declines, the combination of Barry stealing Iris from him and Barry declining puts him on the same path as Hunter. 
The surname Thorn being used is to trick us into thinking Eobard Thorn. Now I believe Dr. Wells is a version of Eobard Thorn. The wheelchair and his connection to Gorilla Grodd being a red herring to Hunter Solomon. His plan is to bring on the events of the Flashpoint Paradox, which we have seen more and more hints at as the show progresses. The Flashpoint Paradox is a great storyline and I won't spoil it for you. I urge you to pick it up. The trade paperback called Flashpoint, you can get it for 11 bucks on Amazon. I also believe that Dr. Wells will be influenced mostly by Professor Soon because Jeff Johns is a writer on the show and he has written many stories with him in it, most notably the aforementioned Flashpoint story. There's also so many things that point toward him being a version of Professor Soon. First, he looks like an older Barry might. He doesn't have permanent powers yet. And lastly, he protects Barry and pushes him to become better. Remember the episode where Wells was pushing Barry to practice more instead of helping people? Why would he do that? Well, because he wants Barry to hit speeds that allow him to travel back in time on schedule. Basically, I believe Wells being helpful and pushing Barry is him assuring that he becomes Professor Soon. And to get Barry to become the greatest hero by sacrificing himself to save the world so that Wells will be the greatest Flash villain of all time. Next, let's have a quick look at some other theories out there and my quick thoughts on them. This one I hear a lot. The theory is that Harrison Wells is Barry from the future, come back to ensure his younger self becomes the Flash and help him prevent either disappearing or something else. This theory is intriguing. It would definitely be interesting. However, I don't believe this is true, simply because of time implications of meeting your own self and secondly because the blood on the wall was Barry's and someone unknown. If the second speedster in yellow was an older Barry Allen, wouldn't both blood samples be Barry's? The second theory is Dr. Wells is Hunter Solomon. I don't find this one likely, although I can understand people thinking so. The wheelchair, Gorilla Grodd and him being Barry's friend line up, but why would he be friends with Grodd when Grodd caused his paralysis? And the third theory is Harrison is just Harrison. He isn't actually the reverse Flash that killed Barry's mother. I don't know the details of this theory, but it is probably something like Eddie Thorne is actually the reverse Flash and Dr. Wells is just wearing a yellow costume and giving himself super speed to prepare Barry for the fight. This one may also be true, but I feel like Harrison Wells is so two-faced that they can't end up making him a good guy. There are probably a lot more theories out there, but those are the ones that I am familiar with. That is it for this Central City Citizen podcast bonus episode. Usually I'd take some questions here at the end and answer them, highlight some comments. But seeing as this is the first episode, I obviously don't have any. So do you want to send me your questions and comments? You can do so at centralcdcp at gmail.com. You can follow the show on Twitter at centralcdcp. Or you can follow me personally at mulletswow. That's it for this week. Until next time, remember to believe the impossible. Bye-bye.